Sneaker Business Talk. It's the Soul Material Podcast. All right. <laughs> and we're here at the Soul Material Podcast. Um, as we're bringing you an exclusive news segment. We have it. Um, bringing you an interview, all right? So it's not even about us, not about the shark, it's not about the OG, it's about our guests. We have invited uh, someone into our house, uh, um, and it's a pleasure and an honor um, to bring to you. Uh, we have Xavier Jones, footwear designer, worked with multiple brands, uh, um, and, you know, we got him in the mix for our exclusive interview. So we appreciate you, Xavier, for taking the time out of your busy schedule, Um uh, could have been anywhere in the world, <laughs> but you're here with us uh, with the Soul Material Podcast uh, um, and giving us some of that sneaker business talk as we love to do over here and giving um, our audience a lot of clarity over popularity because Soul <laughs> Material is all about, you know, the details, living into the details, um, all the stories behind the scenes, and you literally live behind the scenes <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> and bring things to life for um, this sneaker culture. So, you know, it's going to give the floor to you uh, um, just to introduce yourself and, and give you brief background on, uh, you know, how you came up in the footwear industry. Uh, um, and then we'll, you know, get into some uh, specific sneaker discussion. But first, just let the people know a little bit about you, uh, Xavier Forrest, please. Hey, yeah, man. Um, I'm Xavier Jones. Um, I'm a right now color footwear design lead for uh, Nike basketball, particularly for LeBron James product. Um, from Flint, Michigan, a uh, lifelong sneakerhead, man, always trying to figure out how to get in, crack the code uh, to get into the industry. Um, older cousins kind of was that initial like inspiration or spark for me, being there like 8 to 10 years older. So me trying to be cool to the older kids kind of got me into footwear. And, uh, man, it's been a lifelong journey chasing, you know, the opportunity to potentially, um, you know, get, get myself into the industry and, you know, have an impact uh, or at least uh, try to, I should say. Um, but, um, yeah, man, um, went to Eastern Michigan University. Uh, Went for apparel and textiles. Um, didn't get a lot of big internships from there, uh, but I was um, attending an Adidas program, so um, kind of got my first like design experience um, with like our college programs, working with coaches and stuff, and you know doing some of our merchandise. And once graduated, uh, graduating, trying to figure out uh, where I was going to go from there. Um, Pencil Footwear Design Academy. I'm not sure if Pencil. you guys are familiar with that. Uh, created by Dwayne Edwards. They were the doing man. sponsor courses. Yeah, the man, the, the OG, yes, the man. Really. Um, yeah, they were doing uh, design courses uh, sponsored by brands, and they did one with Adi. Being I had the Adi experience and knew the brand, decided to uh, pursue that opportunity, ended up being selected. Went out there for the first time um, to Portland and did the thing with Pencil and Adidas. Uh, participated with Adidas Originals, trying to figure out skateboarding project uh, product. And then from there, it was kind of like my first real like one-on-one experience with like designers and going to headquarters and trying to understand that whole, whole entire process. Um, then kind of a small shift. Um, my wife now, um, she had got an internship with the Sacramento Kings at the time. Uh, we both were graduating around 2014. Uh, decided to go to Sacramento. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moved to Sacramento. Uh, got a job doing equipment. Then I was doing some equipment stuff in college again, uh, from designing to actually being an equipment manager in front of our sports teams. And uh, that eventually led into a design position for the Sacramento Kings. And from there, that was like my first like tangible design experience um, as an intern and then later as kind of like a freelance designer for them. And then I started opening the doors for me to actually, um, you know, started to land design positions. And so uh, my first gig in footwear was an internship with New Balance. 
um, there I was doing performance running. So this is uh, like end of 2015, January 2016. Uh, was there only there for a few months. Reebok came calling, uh, moved over to, to those guys in Canton, uh, Massachusetts, um, and worked on Reebok Classics. And so um, that was pretty much men's uh, lifestyle footwear, um, a little bit of collaborations in there um, as well. And then um, basketball product. I did that about a few years, moved to Vietnam with Reebok, uh, started working with our parent company, Adidas, uh, moved over to Adidas Basketball um, when they kind of started this new venture in Los Angeles, did that for a bit. And then about a year and some change, uh, Nike reached out and ended up poaching me from from Adi to join um, their new category, which was called APF. So this athlete promo footwear. So it was like designated uh, player exclusives kind of team, which was super awesome. So again, I only lasted about three or four months. And then I got brought in line to join the LeBron James uh, kind of business unit and try to figure out that whole thing. And so been at that for a little over a year and uh, still figuring out the journey. But that's kind of like a big recap, I guess, of how no, I ended that's, up that's, that's, where that's I perfect. got to. And- I think that's a great example for our audience too, just because of, you know, that's a lot of drive. That's a lot of determination. That's a lot of, you know, just moving forward. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what we, we talk about a lot, just as far as, you know, the, the, having the ambition, um, right. To, to mm-hmm. do something that, that you want to do. So when you have passion, um, it's not always a straight line. <laughs> no, um, never. So just yeah. being able to adjust, um, and continue to grow, uh, through those, uh, positions, you know, um, you know, continue to learn even more too, where we have, uh, similar backgrounds as well, just in the crossover and the footwear and the sports industry and how yeah. that gets, gets, gets married together. Uh, um, um and then just, um, uh, the other thing is because we just talk about going to where opportunity is because sometimes it, you know you got to seek it out uh, um so that's kind of how we got here together too um you got to seek it yeah. out <laughs> uh, uh, but with that uh you know that drive you know that's a you know a, a, a wonderful story just as far as you know post-college yeah. and then just continuing uh, um you know when you make your, your you're following your passion it just yeah. you know it doesn't in real time, you don't know next, what's the next step, but you know, yeah. it's like being ready for that opportunity. Uh, so we love to hear that. Real quick, T-Mark, definitely want to shout out Dwayne Edwards, man. Knowing that you are from the Dwayne Edwards tree means so much to me with what me and Shark do because um, I had the opportunity to meet Dwayne a few times in the 2000s, and he basically gave me his number. He said, "Need anything? Call me." And mm-hmm. to be an African American male and be in the state that he was in. Um, it just shows me that years down the line, that was his drive and his goal. So us being minorities and like T-Mark has always told me, once someone is in the door, they are lending their hand to get someone else in the door. So knowing that you're a part of that treatment means a whole lot to me because Dwayne has always been a thorough, just sincere guy um, since day one. And I was a young man when I met him and um, he was always yeah. sincere. Before. So now he's doing his own thing with the school and everything else. And seeing yeah. that you're a part of that branch, man, means a whole lot for me being just African-American male and, and so forth. Yeah. And uh, to even further, like, I guess, go back um, back in 2010 when I was going into college, kind of finishing up high school and all that uh, before was Pencil's Nike Future Soul. And uh, Dwayne was launching that while he was still uh, director at Brand Jordan. And Mm -hmm. um, I did that competition as well. And I placed top six in the country there. And that was like the original first, like, oh, I could potentially do this for real. If Nike's willing to recognize me, then, okay, maybe I have something. And for him to even hold a contest like that and to bring young designers up. So it's about what, 14? So was that around like the Bellow time? Uh, Yeah, it was the, yep, exactly. Yep, yep, exactly. I was, uh. 
doing an N7 project, like a Nike free, um, like Native American inspired kind of runner at the time. I think they had the mellow category. They had a Nike basketball category, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I entered a couple of different ones. I figured everyone was going to do Jordan. So I was like, what could I do to kind of, <laughs> kind of get in there? But uh, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, man, yeah, that was dope. And um, again, just them being, you know, or him being an African-American man in a position of power and also kind of my first um, introduction to footwear design being him. Like, I didn't know who Tinker Hatfield was, but I knew who Dwayne Edwards and Jason Maiden was. And uh, shout out to both of those dudes because uh, they provided that blueprint for me being a kid from, you know, inner city, you know, Flint, Michigan, not really having those, you know, opportunities or to your point, um, just not even be really seeing like other like <laughs> Like, I I guess, like, career paths. Like, everyone just works in General Motors for the most part. Uh Even, like, going to college was kind of, like, an interesting thing. But uh, them them two in particular, like, being, like, a foundation and, you know, that, that, like, North Star for me to continue to look back on, even if it was, like, referencing, you know, their career path and how they got to to where they got to or their schools that they went to and the things that they did. That definitely, as a, you know, 16-year-old up until now, still serves as a blueprint for me. So that's awesome. Yeah, it makes it tangible when you, you you know, have people that look like you uh, uh, to to look at it ahead of you. And that that representation, it it, it definitely gets overlooked, but it means so much, especially to to our our community. So, So, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, so here we go with the you know great with sense of responsibility just for for yourself uh, um, yeah. and who you represent and, and your family. Uh, um, but at the same time, you know there's a, there's a culture and you and you grow up in it, uh, um, and then you become uh, you know someone who's uh, seated in behind the scenes to to make sure that right. you, you know you 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 know you have things that you liked, uh, right? Yeah, as a consumer, right? And then there yeah. now you cross another door and you bring those things behind the scenes and that's such a added perspective that someone that's maybe not from the culture uh, yeah. uh, would understand you know so when you're you know some of these projects that uh, that you work for we just wanted to you know dive into a couple of the projects that you liked um you know just uh, you know some <laughs> some, of, some of the favorite projects that that, that you work for uh, um you know what i mean and uh, i'm gonna guess that some of it might have something to do you know some of the backhand story might have some you know, memory or some nostalgia yeah, exactly. mixed in uh, uh, to yeah. it, whether it's your own or whoever you're working with. So, you know, let's just start off with, you know, a couple projects uh, um, that you uh, you worked yeah. on that you're really excited to bring to life uh, for the consumers and the sneaker culture. Yeah, man. Like I said, I'm a fan first. So it's always surreal to me being able to work on some of this stuff. So I always kind of like go back through. And uh, again, when I was looking through kind of some of the stuff I worked on, I kind of um, always start with like being able to work with Iverson. Like growing up, he was the guy like coming in kind of like post Michael Jordan era for me into the sport of basketball and kind of understanding that. And like Wizards Mike was the Jordan I really remember. So (laughs) Iverson and that T-Mac, that era in the 2000s was like my guy. So being able to work on, you know, his entire line uh, from the questions to the answers to eventually designing two shoes with the Iverson legacy and uh, a couple of players in the WNBA and NBA are wearing the uh, i3 solution right now, um, which is kind of like a read uh, remix on the question in like a modern way. Like me being able, like the, the kid who was buying these shoes, getting these shoes for Christmas to now, you know, have a um, imprint on his brand leg- legacy and being able to work with him. That's always like super, super surreal for me. And again, I tried to bring out a couple of things um, in the mix. So this is like Shoe that's out now, so solution. This is like the early prototype with the dual density foam. Uh, we ran into some costing stuff, so it wasn't able to come out exactly how I wanted it to. And again, it was meant to be like a takedown shoe, so it yeah. wasn't meant to be like the super like 
hero kind of a performance product but being able to do what we did um at this price point i was super happy with it but uh i wish it was like closer to where we were at here but at least least the the consumer got it and there's a decent spot and then um another one which i just pulled out of a box real quick was uh answer four so i got to do all that retro product and bring that back but uh, this was a cool one that we did not come out with so this is kind of um you know, your 9-11 kind of tribute Ooh, shoe by uh, Iverson okay. being, you know, Exclusive. 2001 MVP. Yeah, so this one was super dope, man, that it didn't ac- actually make it to retail. We were trying to figure out a drop for this, but uh, it didn't end up making it. But this was one that I was like, yo, it's dope. And it definitely brought me back to that era, like the Camerons and, you know, Joel Santana when everyone yeah, was super patriotic. Said, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, exactly. Is that all leather, Xavier? Um, yeah, so we got patent in the vamp, and then uh, up top we got a nice tumble leather, and it just screen printed the flag uh, over I the top. So, yeah, but um, yeah, I really like this, and it's kind of reminiscent of the uh, the Kobe um, American flag joint that you know. Oh LeBron yeah, yeah, and then the the classic star. model because he gifted them to LeBron. Exactly, too, exactly, the, uh, exactly. Nice, exactly. So, um, but again, uh, anything Iverson is always cool. And then going to the Audi side, I know y'all kind of rep DC. You know, I got to represent Gil. Um, Gil's my guy. So these are out in the marketplace now, you know, which that was super surreal for me. Um, and again, that's how I connected with Dan. Um, to begin with, I was actually collecting Gil's being a kid. Like I remember, you know, 06, 07, like not really being able to get the shoes. But when we got to the light switch, like. I didn't mm-hmm. understand collaborations. I'd never heard of the store Benihana. I didn't know like how he's on a Halo shoe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, none of it matched his uniform, which was like very unheard of at the time. And he had 20 colorways. And I remember going to the Adidas site, checking that stuff out. So once I started, you know, making my own money later in life, I went back and started buying that stuff. And I ended up meeting Dan because they have all these kicks. So I'm like, yo, if y'all got any 13s y'all can come off of, I would love to do it. And then to be the guy to eventually be able to work on this whole rest of my project and work with Gil and bring some of these stories back was like the most surreal thing ever because I was buying the shoes a few years before I even got to work on them. So that's always super crazy. So ton of different Gil's that you guys I'm not sure been seeing coming to retail with this like 60 point PE um, dropped on Kobe Staples Center. And like, again, pitching the story to marketing that they weren't even aware of the shoe, like, you know, as a, as a story and it going forward. It's always those moments. Wow. wow. Like I got to be a part of that. So that's cool. Um, well, we can. Well, thank you for helping bring those back because you know, we, you know, that was a you know, especially like the the undercrown and you yeah. know, like that was like a grail shoe uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. At, at one point in time, you know, and people, yeah. have, you know. I guess, especially outside of the, the DC area, you didn't really appreciate Agent Zero for for what he was. It was a you know a snapshot in time, um, just with injuries yeah. um, and yeah. things. But like when he was on, like he, he had was keys to the city. On. I yeah. know it's crazy. Like and even what he was doing from a community standpoint, like with Barry Farms and really allowing uh-huh. the kids to kind of be a part of it. Like again, me not really understanding at the time, but when you look back, it's like yo, that was a real moment in time. And uh, again, Gil was kind of a trendsetter with with everything, you know, with, in current sneaker culture. Again, like I said, wearing kicks that wasn't matching the uniform to eventually when he left Adi to like I'm wearing different brands I'm wearing lifestyle shoes in the mix I got Gil watch like where I'm posting what I'm going to wear before the game let the fans vote on it yeah. like, even before his, his P.J. Blog. Tucker there was the exactly. sneaker was literally uh, Gilbert Arenas uh, yeah. you know? when I saw Gilbert put on some tune airs and actually yeah. in an NBA game I said, yeah, this yeah. nuts this dude is absolutely nuts exactly yeah no, I think he's wow. 33 in tune airs in an NBA game yeah 
Exactly. Yeah. Even yeah. the Dolce Gabbana joints, um, you know, the, the legend is he yeah. took them from Nick Young or whatever. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. They still made it to the court. Um, and you, yeah. you know, that might have been, a, I think that was a Lakers game too. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's just Super being crazy. able to have that versatility. I think we've talked about it on the podcast too, just as, just as far as bringing up Gil and some of his being a sneakerhead, like going back to Arizona, you know, I was just like, exactly. this dude is balling in. Bo Jackson's like SC yeah, trainers, man. like whoa, yeah, man. You could do that. You might as well throw on some Air Force. <laughs> I know, right? Too. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, because yeah, you can get away with that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's so. the thing for me too. Um, and I guess I started at Reebok because we have such a rich history. Um, when I was with that brand, and a lot of the stuff isn't really known to the modern day sneaker culture. But it's like to really sit down with this product, understand like its impact. Um, in the moment that it had, but also like reach out to the original designers, sit down with them to get into the original intent on why they decided to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. And then it's like pulling even game, like footage of guys in certain shoes. Like I probably didn't went through thousands of pictures of AI or even Gil. Like I've mapped pretty much every shoe Gil wore from his rookie year to his last season, literally timestamp dates from like running shoes to you name it. So it's really cool to like really dive into like the psyche of kind of the athlete and where they were at. And I mean, a lot of the stuff is colorway bring backs, but it's also like trying to bring some of that newness to the, to the forefront too. But like, don't leave any stone unturned. Like if it's an opportunity for you to check it out. Yeah, you should do that. So like, definitely exactly. speaking of opportunities, man, are there mm-hmm. any projects you wish you worked on, but didn't get the opportunity to, um, yeah, man, it's a ton. I would say the, um, the biggest one I could think of recently was probably, um, the Reebok kind of ice cream bring back stuff when I was at Reebok mm-hmm. being again, like that was a shoe that I always wanted in terms of the ice cream. Well, I had a couple pair of the board flips, like they went to like clearance outlets, but that was like something you just couldn't touch. And, you know, seeing it drop it like his hot video and Ego and Pharrell and all this stuff back in the day. So again, that was like the other thing other than Gills. I went back and started buying ice creams. <laughs> so I was buying all those shoes. And then it was like when it was um, time for that collaboration to potentially be a thing i was like oh this is dope so i was in a few meetings um i did get to work on a couple uh graphics for a question here and there but i wasn't really involved like i wanted to but if it was done properly on like the og silhouettes and brought back uh, in its true form um i think it could have been cool but also that may be my old headness uh coming up like i don't know if the kids would care but like that was something i really 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 wanted to work on like pretty bad but uh on top of mind probably that um, and the next is like um, at Audi, like crazy eight stuff. Like again, it's probably the most uh-huh. one of the most iconic basketball shoes. But um, did get to do some of that stuff, um, which you guys will probably be seeing in the next year or so. But um, like working on like um, iterations of it, whether it was a low or like a cleated version that could be played on the field, like uh-huh. just really kind uh-huh. of get that expression across, um, you know, different avenues. And again, that may have went forward in some capacity. I'm not 100 percent sure, but that was one that I was like really, really trying to trying to fight for. That I don't know if they really seen the vision at the time, but. Um, Again, that may be a selfish, uh, you know, take on my on Miles, uh, you know, sneaker. No, when you have the vision, you gotta gotta stick to it. Yeah, especially <laughs> those cleated versions. We we've talked about some of those transitional things uh, um, to you know different cross platforms with the with yeah. the sports and and meshing it together because yeah. you know yeah no nah, I really you know that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that was cool. And then, and that's like, yeah, I was say like 40th anniversary Air Force One stuff just because we just came off on that. And I think they did a really good job and it's really slept on just because the Air Force One isn't the most really? popular silhouette right now outside from the white and whites. But uh, they did a lot of good stuff, even like some of the Terror Squad stuff and all that. But uh, if I could have been able to have a little take on a couple models here and there, um, I did get to work on the Serena Williams Air Force One uh, for her kind of retirement. So I got to do a few colorways for her, which was really cool to kind of capsule um, her Nike kind of career and everything. But uh, if I could have got a little stab at a couple of those 40th anniversaries, uh, 
um, on the AF1 could have been cool, but uh, might, maybe still down the line, I might be able to get something off. But that was like, I was like, I can't believe I'm at Nike at the 50th anniversary and 40th anniversary of the Air Force One. And I got to do some Air Force Ones, but like, what else could I do? So it kind of like opened a can of worms that I wasn't really able to like really fully scratch that itch, but it was cool to like be able to be a part of it to some extent. No, nah, that, that's what's up, you know, especially that Serena, like, you got to work, you know, with the GOAT collection, um, you know, that, that only <laughs> yeah. enhances your resume, too, um, yeah. and just being able to, you know, that, I remember part of that collection is, there's a lot of detail <laughs> uh, on, <laughs> yeah. on, on, on those, you know, um, yeah. so, yeah, kudos to you and, and getting those things off the, uh, off the ground, yeah. so, like, and you that know, one was tricky, because we only had one shot, too, because it was ah, so late, really? That, uh, and we had to get something for her before her final games, her final matches, I should say, um, that like, it was like, whatever gets like, comes to the factory and whatever they send back is going to be it. So we didn't even have a time to like revise or to really think about it. It was kind of like, you had to go. So one shot for it to execute so well. I was like, happy with it. So Xavier, um, given our lack of experience, you just gave yeah. a timeline. So what is the typical timeline you usually have to have a project like that? And you said you didn't have that much time. So it varies. Um, and, uh, usually on the inline calendar, you're looking at like, man, for someone like Sig, like a LeBron, you may be looking at something like two and a half years out hmm. to like a year. So everything's kind of perpetual. So like as yep. you're working through the 20, the 21 is being worked on ideas for the 22 and then maybe even like early conceptual stories and, and ideas around the 23. So everything is kind of working in tandem. Um, so you have a lot of time. I would say a year and a half calendar is like for typical inline inline schedule. So yeah, like right now, I actually we work on so many different calendars at this point. I don't even know what season we in at this point. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, if it's what summer twenty three, yeah, you, you're probably working on uh finishing up fall to holiday two thousand twenty four or spring of twenty five. So that's usually where you're at. Um, but for promo or like player exclusives, usually you try to get about a three to six month window. Um, but again, you can't like really predict sports moments or like key things that's happening in an athlete's life. So like we weren't sure Serena was going to retire. Um, it kind of was thought about, but we weren't 100 percent sure. So, again, that's that's something that took like a week. Like you just got to get something out and then hopefully they could turn it over within a month to get it back um, from, you know, the, the production sample. So, yeah, it just kind of varies. But promo, usually three to six months. If it's something super quick, like um, like Bronny needs something or uh, Bryce needs something for his high school, that may be something that takes like a week or two as you kind of, you know, have time to kind of design that and try to get it out. And you usually probably only have one shot. So if it comes back bad, they may not get it. <laughs> If it comes back dope, hopefully, you know, they're happy with it. So just kind right. of varies. Mm -hmm. Well, again, the attention to detail and always being ready um, because you, you never know. So this is great insight for, again, uh -huh. peeling back those layers, um, you know, for, for what we do over here uh -huh. um, at, at our podcast, you know, because this is people make so many assumptions on why things don't work. But there's so much. That's just the tip of the iceberg, is what they're saying. There's so much um, that has gone in, and you know, thank you for you know illustrating that timeline because we've talked about mm -hmm. it a lot from the retailer perspective and the timeline of rollout for the seasonal campaigns mm -hmm. and a retail story. That's a lot of experience over here from 
on, on my yeah. end, but like now you have to add on the time for the actual yeah. uh, 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 brand to create the yeah. product, uh, um, create the stories, uh, um, and then get it out. Uh, um, you know, so no, that's uh, uh, pretty dope. So just you know, transitioning to you know this, this timeline and and getting into the details of the process. You know, like you know, what are some of the things that that you're thinking about when you're going through your uh, creative process? Like like where does it start? Uh, um, you know, you have the product, you have a story, is, mm -hmm. is it both? Uh, um, you know, what, what's going on in the mind of, uh, of Xavier when you're bringing something yeah. to life from, from, from scratch? <laughs> yeah, well, usually it's like, man, overall, it's like narrative. Like, what story are we trying to tell? Who are we trying to captivate with this product? Where is our athlete at or where is this person that we're trying to reach this consumer at? And like really mapping that out first and foremost. And then you kind of get with your product marketing team who they're kind of like the... Uh, the voice of the consumer, usually closest to the consumer, they get the most market feedback. They're usually um, in meetings with, you know, the influencers or doing consumer insights and stuff. So they usually have like the the, the best post on um, the business and what's needed. And then it's like you guys kind of collaborate and kind of craft that story and that narrative. And then um, from a design perspective, whatever's needed on my end is like, you know, trying to mix blend that in uh, the best of both worlds with that. But, um, you know, at a company like Nike, it's so big and we have huge design teams. So we got product design, we got material design, we got color design, we got 3D design. So we're all sitting together trying to figure out what makes sense <laughs> for, for this athlete in this moment. And again, it's like you're also trying to forecast the future because you're working on something that you know may debut in 2025 so it's like okay at right now this is where we are but where do we see this potentially going and i mean for again a business like lebron has been great having his kids is kind of like a resource but to pinch to potentially take the baton for that lebron business because you know they're budding athletes um looking like they're going to be nba players and so as lebron's career is kind of winding down we could kind of amp up those players and, and his kids and his family's narrative a bit more as he's kind of exiting from the game so again it's like will he retire this year or is it going to be next year is it going to be a year from now how do you kind of set that up to be you know a good story that's going to really land with consumers so far out and then again you got to pivot because nothing ever goes exactly as planned so <laughs> um, <laughs> it'll probably end up being something a little bit different but usually it starts with narrative man like really really driving home that story um, really tapping in with whoever that end consumer is, whether that's the athlete or it's a, a like a muse that you have in the space and like really trying to dive into their psyche and what will really get them going. And then uh, from there, it's like the business and everything kind of takes their their uh, takes way and kind of puts their hand in the pot as well. So it's definitely a lot of collaboration amongst the business unit, uh, the brand teams, uh, marketing teams and definitely design teams. Man, you hit the key word there, collaboration, Xavier. And it sounds like mm -hmm. every day is not a boring day when it comes to shoe design. So, oh, duh. <laughs> man, the most wildest things happen. Like, you never, <laughs> like, <laughs> everything from like a vendor stopped producing a certain material that, that was specced or a color code was wrong and the shoe was supposed to be red and it came back orange. You're like, how did this happen? Like, it's always <laughs> something that's always like, you know, to, to kind of, you know, deviate from the plan or the vision. But, um, they make the magic work. Um, and again, like the factory people are like the unsung heroes, man. Like those people, uh, man, they work magic out of, out of everything. So those are the people who don't get no visibility at all. So shout out to all the, all the workers putting these shoes actually together. So it's kind of crazy to, to, to think that like all this stuff is kind of still handmade as much as, uh, you know, production and automation is, is a part of the process. A lot of this is still like hand done. So shout out to those guys on the ground making all this, uh, this beautiful stuff come to life too. So definitely yeah, because that's real soul material <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, right there sure. uh, yeah, uh, in sure. its raw essence uh. <laughs> yeah for sure 
Xavier, you mentioned in your intro that you uh, moved around a lot to seek opportunities. Um, you mm-hmm. might have taken a couple of minutes to um, give us your experience overseas. You mentioned Vietnam, yeah. and I'm working at the Reebok Adidas Creation Center. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. So, yeah, that was an opportunity that came up, man, that was, like, super, super awesome. Um, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar. We have a thing called Team Travel, where usually if you're in product creation, you leave and you go to Asia for a week or two, um, most maybe a month to, like, work and massage through the season, uh, kind of seasonal product. Um, so, um, I had been to Vietnam a couple of times, uh, China, um, a couple of times, but the opportunity came up to actually live abroad, which I wasn't really expecting, but I had heard good things about it. And, um, again, as a person coming from a place where I just kind of had to take a leap of faith, um, along the way, it was like, what is, you know, cause like leaving Michigan for me was like a huge step, but it was like, okay, I did it where I guess I can move to another state. So then I bounced around all these different states and then it was like, well, leaving the country could be cool and i did that and i was like well i think i could live anywhere so initially it was a little bit of um culture shock those first three to six months because when you're in a team travel you're in the factory all day making revisions and it's like you know you're going to go home but once you, it sets in like, no this is home now um it was a, a little different so i spent about two and a half years there and again uh just settled in um got to you know really embrace the culture, um, love living in Ho Chi Minh City, uh, would commute to Dung Nai and some of the provinces where a lot of production goes on. Um, it's a growing um, economy, um, definitely developing country. So they're really big in production of all things. Just footwear is one of the things that they're really, really good at. Um, so it's cool to see that. But um, yeah, man, it was really a great experience, man. Like, again, the food, um, again, it's a huge um, international city as well, so they have some of the best food from all cultures, too, like it, it's seen as this, like, especially Americans, like um, the first thing we think of is, like, the Vietnam War and this kind of place, but it's like, no, it's a beautiful city, um, sure, it has rural pockets and stuff, but it's an international city with, I mean, some of the best things you can you can ever imagine, so that was a great, great opportunity, but what it really did was just open up my mind to uh, more opportunities and, you know, um, not putting yourself in a box at all. Like I definitely feel like I could live anywhere and experience anything after that. So, um, it was super dope for me, man. Like I would suggest anyone, if you had the opportunity to live abroad and experience a different culture aside from the U S like go for it. Cause, um, I thought it could have been valuable, but it was way more valuable than I ever imagined. So it's really cool. Cool. That, that definitely, you know, adds perspective, uh, um, just yeah. from that, you know, that global, uh, uh, experience, um, and just being able to, you know, like you said, you know, just get outside of you, outside of your box, you know, and mm-hmm. then like, that's how trend spotting and all those things come in, into life when you're, when your vision is open, uh, uh, um, you know, and just being able to accept all the different forms of, of, of the inversions of, of the culture um, and being able to translate it. Uh, so yeah. that's a, a, a good skill <laughs> yeah. to acquire. You know, you yeah. might, might not have it, but being able to grow into that and being comfortable in your own skin, uh, that's why, mm-hmm. you know, you get the success that you that, that, you, that you get because, you know, it's it's authentic. Uh, um, and yeah. that, that you strive for that. Yep. And yeah, and to give a little bit of background on what I was doing there, so uh, Reebok and uh, Adidas had this creation center there. Um, and again, the idea was to get product to market faster. So instead of the year and a half I just spoke to, you could get some to market potentially in three to six months because you're at the factory. So it was more so due to kind of serve gaps in the marketplace, mainly a Reebok core. So that's like sub $100 product. So if Korea comes and say, yo, we need this new runner for $65, it's like, okay, can we get that to actually happen? And how many pairs can we forecast to get made out of this factory? All right, let's go for it. And because you're a dedicated resources there, 
you can actually figure that out a little bit faster than waiting to get samples shipped across cheese, lost at sea, uh, have to make a new batch, send it back over to Boston, wait for it. It's more like you can just get it done in in in, in the time, and, you know, and go to the actual production line and like, yo, I'm gonna make this change on the fly. You get pullovers and revisions uh, a couple times a day instead of waiting a month to get something shipped to you. So it was more so based on like speed and trying to make the business a little bit more efficient. And then again, to your point for trends, so. Um, Initially, we were kind of serving all of core, and then we started to kind of focus on the key regions, again, being China, Japan, Korea, and then even Western Europe to a bit, like if they wanted like a trail shoe or something, like a hiking boot, how do we figure that out to get to them a little bit faster? And um, so it was a little bit of all that, and then we started bringing in collaborations, like regional collaborations and stuff in the uh, APAC area in Asia. So it became a little bit of everything, but initially, yeah, it was more so like a speed and efficiency kind of exercise um, with our design team. Wow. Yeah, that's really hands on, uh, um, you know, if we can shrink a timeline uh, that much that you just described just by being more in, on location and just is synchro, uh, you know, centralizing the process uh, yeah. uh, so you can get to the uh, the end of that uh, assembly line uh, uh, a lot quicker. So, you know, yeah. uh, again, I think that that's what we're. I think we're in good hands uh, for the yeah, future too, because uh, that, that those are great uh, leadership qualities, um, you know, for for the future as well. Just having mm-hmm. those hands on, and now you can help direct the, um, a little bit more. Um, you always mm-hmm. when you touch something, it makes it tangible. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. And you can uh, let it let it flourish. So you know, just one mm-hmm. more uh, you know sneaker uh, related question before we get into some more business topics uh, related okay. to the industry. You know, just getting into again, you, you, you know, gave us some insight to your. Your, your creative process and then how you uh, um you know have uh, gotten inside of the uh, the process but just speak from you know now where let's go inside out of uh, 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 soul material style where it's more of the you know you're on the inside you're creating but like what is the intent for the consumer you, you, you know what i mean like what would you, what would you want them to think when they first pick up the uh the iris and legacy or whatever product, yeah. product it is like you know what's what's some of that intent like you want the first person to pick it up and think what man i just want them to love the shoe and however they're going to use it um man like let that be a part of that journey um again uh, i think i was kind of saying like i'm a little bit biased to performance product a little bit because like <laughs> something you actually got to put on the court and you get to experience it but um Lifestyle shoes is the same thing, man. Like if you can pick up a shoe and it makes you feel better about your day or you had a moment in your life that you'll always remember what you were rocking, like that's always the goal. And that could be something that's sixty dollars. Like people buy sixty dollars shoes too. Like you don't gotta be the most high rare yes. co- co- collab uh piece or whatever. But man, yeah, just for people to cherish it. Like, um, you know, I always look out on my childhood, some of my best memories were shoes that, you know, may have not been the creme of the creme or the most, you know, sought after, but it was like, yo, I really had moments in the shoe that I really enjoyed, whether it was playing in or just walking or getting them for school you know those are moments that people and consumers really really um you know will cherish and so man that's the goal for me man if i'm working on a on a 50 dollars shoe or a 250 dollars shoe like yeah i just want you to love it and have a have a moment with it like um if it gets critically acclaimed or the resale value is this on stock x sure that's cool that's that's a plus but like that's definitely not what i do it for i just uh want to make the average joe happy if, if i can <laughs> nice you know and, and thank you for saying uh uh, uh that uh uh, because we strive so much with our audience to just say, like, make it your own, have your own story. It's, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't matter how much something costs. Uh, um, it's it's kind of like music, you know, sometimes you, you remember a moment in time and, you know, like when a song plays, you're like, remember mm-hmm. when I first heard that, you know, what was yeah. going on? It's like you those those happy thoughts, uh, um, you know, and even if you didn't 
get this have the shoe when you were a kid but you wanted it uh yeah. you know that that window shopping or you know we did a whole episode on east bay where you you're going through the magazine and you circle yeah. what you want um uh, and then you you know uh maybe you get it later maybe you don't um but yeah. it's just more of that that's that that nostalgic feeling um so just you know so for our audience you know um again you know from beginning to end we want you to just make your journey your journey yeah. inside of the culture